Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Jan and her sister believe that by giving their mum permission to die, she was able to leave this world more peacefully. Today, Jan tells us her story. Jan, what made you think that your mum needed permission to die? Um, I think she was struggling and fighting to stay alive when the medical conditions were all stacked up against her and she still wanted to be there for my sister and myself. She was still a mother primarily um, and just didn't want to leave us. She didn't want to leave this world. So tell us a bit about your mum. Oh, mum was a, I think I guess best described her as probably a woman before her time. She was very um, green and recycling and I can remember trips down to the beach dragging lumps of seaweed back and making seaweed compost for our garden and she was very capable um, you know on the PTA as the, the financial uh, treasurer on the Parent Teachers Association she was she was a nurse and she worked um, quite extensively with uh, Burns patients it was her special area of specialty but when she did her training in Australia she um did work with the Flying Doctor Service for quite a while and absolutely loved that whole intrepid type of activity. Um, She was, yeah, she was active, um, came from a farming family, uh, stoic, you know, uh, cheerful sort of woman. I can't explain. (laughs) So when she became ill and reached the end stages of her life, what made you even think that she might need permission to die? Um, because she had a very strong underlying um, mothering instinct to be there for us as a, uh, our mother, even though we were adults and had our own children. Uh, it was her strength and commitment to that role in her life that she loved. She absolutely loved being a mother and dedicated herself to everything around that and and, and then even as a grandmother. Um, I think she just felt she had more to give, but she didn't because she was sick. It's hard to explain. She, um, I think she felt she wanted to keep being the same person that she had been beforehand, before she had strokes and keep being there for us as a mother and a parent Um, and I think by us saying to her um, you know it's okay she thought oh maybe they don't need me anymore maybe I'm 
I've done my job. I don't know. So is that how you you gave her permission? Describe actually the incident when you gave her the permission to die. We actually said to her, Mum, it's okay if you want to die. And she actually had tears in her eyes, so she totally understood what we were saying. And we said, it's okay if you want to go. And she sort of calmed down for a wee bit, and then she cried, not cried, but tears came in her eyes because she didn't really have the energy to even cry. And she, she was calmer. I can't explain it, but she must have had enough cognitive ability to, to just sort of think, oh, okay, they said it's okay. Um, I, I can relax now. They've given me that permission to actually relax and just um, continue in the state of um, going towards death, you know. So how long was it from you giving her permission to die and her mm-hmm. actually dying? Um, it was, she. I think it was on the Tuesday we, we spoke to her like that and she died on the Friday. Um, but I must say that after we gave her that permission, she didn't eat any more, didn't have any more food and they, uh, they did actually take out her feeding tube, which she had at the time. Um, and she didn't really regain any conscious um, acknowledgement of us much after that. And it was almost like she slipped into, not quite unconsciousness, because her eyes were open and she did blink, but it was, um, she couldn't talk anymore, but she sort of gave a bit of a smile every now and again. So it was about three days. And how old was she at that time? Um, 87. She was 87. So once you gave your mum permission to die, you noticed all these changes? Yeah, the, yeah, the whole atmosphere sort of changed. Um, we, I think because we changed too, like it wasn't just her, we, because we accepted that it was her time or death was inevitable, um, I think she also accepted that. So she was a lot calmer. She had been struggling a little bit before that because she was fighting to, to get better but just didn't have the strength to do it. Um, and so she kind of relinquished her life a little bit and we relinquished our hold on her, if that makes sense. She, But she was definitely more peaceful and I felt more peaceful, weirdly enough. Were you in it's, two minds at all, though, about giving her permission to die? Yes, I was very much so, um, more than my sister. But um, I kept thinking, oh, science is so clever. Maybe, you know, I knew that we couldn't retrieve the clock because it was too late for that. But, you know, I just thought maybe we should just keep letting her fight because she's a bit of a fighter. That was her personality. And I mean, I did think maybe she could have recovered. But I guess in the back of my mind and the medical advice we were getting is that it was very, very unlikely. Did you think there was anything negative about giving her permission to die? Any possible bad side effect? No, I didn't, no. I, I only felt... Um, I, I, I only felt po- um, positive thoughts. I felt that this was a gift to Mum, and Mum took it as a gift, and we couched it in those times of words when we spoke to her... So I guess that's why we felt better about it. We felt we were giving her something that she could take and then 
there's always a pleasure in that, you know. Um, as weird as that sounds, saying that you're giving a person a gift of death, but it's, it's like that permission, by giving permission, as her children, she looked at us and thought, yes, I, I will take that, you know. And so I didn't feel bad at all. So after you'd given her this permission, physically, what did you do? Well, I actually stayed with her most of the time. My son came in and he um, played the guitar for her. And I don't know whether she heard it or not, but it made him feel good. Um, My sister actually left and didn't come back, but I stayed with her, brushed her hair. Um, She did put her lips got very dry, so I'd put water on her lips and lip gloss and anything I could find to help her feel comfortable, although she didn't seem to be uncomfortable anymore. So once we'd given her permission, she seemed to be less um, fighting the, 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 her, her uh, inability to manage. It was her; she managed. She just relaxed a lot more. So I stayed with her most of the days um, and um, went home in the evenings. And um, but my sister found it quite hard. I think. So she didn't return after having she given your mum permission? Return. No, Did she didn't. Why is no. that? I think my sister's very black and white and she made that decision and that was the end. That was a decision. Once she'd made the decision, she didn't really want to see mum in, in a deteriorating state. She wanted to remember her as um, what she had been, which was a very active woman. And he was this frail little lady now. Um Whereas uh, I just couldn't let her go till the very end, if that makes sense. Had you had, had you had any training or experience in looking after a person in those final <laughs> stages of life? <laughs> no, not at all. No, but I think it's intuitive. I think you just... And that didn't worry me that my sister left either. Like, that was her choice. My choice was to stay, and I felt happy about that. So I wanted to make the choice for me and my family and I asked that my son was the only one around at the time and and he um, he was okay with it too but he didn't want to come back once he'd seen how frail his gran was you know I no no training just I just I'm not a nurse or anything I didn't know anything about nursing but you just want to make them look good and feel comfortable and I could talk, I still talk to her, even though I don't know if she heard, but I netted away and chatted away to her as if she was still there. So describe, going back a little bit, her decline. Oh, she'd had, this was the third stroke. Um, she'd had a small one about two years ago, and then uh, she had another one which actually um, she became she was mobile but she had no peripheral vision and she had um, uh, issues with ang- uh, confusion and um, uh, sort of cotton understanding things so she would be very blatant and um, uh, quite rude to people um, but she also had like a lot of confusion so she couldn't even put a cardigan on I'd say you know it's a cardigan and she couldn't put it on she wouldn't know how to put a hand in one side yet, yet on the other hand she could tie her shoelaces up and she could walk down the street quite ably um, 
but she was still a bit of a fool's risk by now because she was bumping into things because she wasn't seeing her peripheral vision wasn't um, very good. And um, she hated it. She hated not being 100% in control, which is what my mother was a bit like. Um, so she, you know, had... Um, she changed from being the strong leader, the matriarch, I guess is the right term, to being the one that we had to sort of mother and guide and protect and um, look after. And uh, she, she she took it on board pretty well, actually, considering. Um, but she didn't really like that role. She preferred to be the, the leader of the pack. Um, and her final stroke, the one that actually, I guess, was what we termed killed her or she died from was a much bigger stroke and, and um, um, she was admitted to hospital and she did have, she couldn't swallow anymore she had she had very fluid speech when she was speaking and basically she just slept very most of the time um, she went in and out of consciousness at the beginning she had a few you know conscious moments thinking like oh where she could talk quite clearly but not very often she was it was definitely an end-of-life stroke, her last stroke. And then describe her, her descent into death, if you like. Well, I think it started with the permission, and then once we'd made that decision as well, we spoke to the medical staff, and they were very... Um, they had already indicated they felt that by keeping a feeding tube in and, and keeping oxygen going wasn't um, going to make any difference to mum's longevity or life um, and they felt that, that she was at palliative level only um, so we that Tuesday we did say okay that's fine she can take out the feeding tube um, which she hated having in her mouth anyway and oh she had that in the side rather but she had uh, oxygen and she they took it off that but it didn't it just slowed the death down and she slowed the length of time I guess and she just slept a lot more, she was hardly awake um, she at the very last stages of her death I got called in on the Friday night, um, the nurse phoned again and said after I'd gone home she said oh, your, mother's voice, your mother's breathing's changed you better come back so I went back and her breathing had become quite raspy which apparently is uh, how people breathe when their lungs start filling up with fluid I guess or whatever um, and you and she was starting to get cold, so I could tell that she was slowly dying. I started holding her hand, and then I felt uncomfortable because I could tell the hand was cold, and then I just sort of um, hoped that she could still hear me and just spoke to her, and I tried desperately to contact my sister, but she um, wasn't answering. I guess she must have known. Um, in retrospect, she told me she had a migraine, but she thinks that was because mum was dying um, but when mum finally died uh, it was peaceful and calm although the, the breathing is the weirdest thing it's sort of a, quite a noisy breathing and then it just stopped and she sort of had foaming spit at the mouth I just cleaned it off and sat with her for a few minutes and I think I thought oh, I think she's dead and I called the nurse and the doctor came and checked her out and Yes, unfortunately, um, she had died. Um, yeah. So when um, 
When you look back, do you have any regrets at all for having given her permission to die? No. No, I don't. No. No. I I I think the permission helped her ease and it made an easier death for her. I think she probably would have died struggling to fight the the stroke as, as much as she could. And I'm happier that she died peacefully like that. Um, yes, I would have loved her to live much longer, and but not in that state. She would have been 100%. I mean, I don't even think she could have survived. And I, medically, she wouldn't have survived. So I don't regret it at all. I, I still think it was still very sad because our mother's gone and, and, and she was a huge part of our lives. But at the same time, I felt pleased that she died in an easier way. Um, it's like if you could have, if you could choose to die, obviously a lot of people choose like we've talked about it before, and I talked about it with her before. You could choose to die a quick heart attack, no one know, you didn't know about it, no pain, no nothing. That's it. You just don't wake up the next day. It would be the ideal dream if you could plan it. But this is sort of like the next biggest thing where you could sort of plan it, but it was peaceful. Um, there wasn't pain. There wasn't intolerance. There wasn't judgment or anything. Everyone was quite because we'd made the decision uh, we, we we had given her permission and she'd accepted that it was much easier It was so therefore you don't have regret um, No, you described to me how your mum was really pragmatic about death Yes, when yes. she was um, when you were younger and so what, what was her attitude to death? Um she believed that, um, like nature, everything has a time to bloom and a time to to sprout and grow and then and then li- live and then die. And because she was a gardener and a farm girl originally, her attitude towards animals. I mean, we had pets and they died, and we said that that was the end of their time or for whatever reason. We also had um, uh, chooks or uh, um, hens and we, mum killed them or dad killed them and they, um, for food. And so we knew, she, you know, that was for food and that was a life and death thing and we kind of understood all of that. We understood the difference between that kind of death and a pet dying of old age and we had birds as well and they'd die from various things or sicknesses or sometimes they'd be pet at the bottom of the cage the next day um, and we understood that that was the circle of life I mean you know you're born or something is born and then it grows and then it dies I think uh, she was very clear to us as kids um, that that was part of life that death was part of life it was just the end part of life so whereas birth is the new part of life and so by living in a very holistic sort of way, in other words, living with growing plants and plants and having animals in your life, I think you see it as a child and then um, understand that a lot better. She was quite um, open about death um, and grandparent, our grandparents and so forth and so on. It wasn't a um, hidden topic. It wasn't a hidden topic in our life. Was her being a nurse um, any part of that? I think for her, yes, very much so. She, because Mum had done a lot of nursing and been involved 
and nursing her own mother, who'd had cancer, um, she um, felt very uh, strongly about life and death and about understanding the physical um, side of those issues. She was a very pragmatic lady um, and understood the science behind the whole thing, I guess, and rationalised it with herself. And then, and I guess her attitudes flowed down to us as children um, as well. And then I suspect we've got, my, both my sister and I have got very similar attitudes in that way um, towards life and death. And um, so that, while we were a bit, you know, cohesive about the whole thing, you know, we, we both agreed because of probably our upbringing. And yeah, probably mum's nursing training did influence her attitude towards life and then death um, itself. But at the same time, while as a gardener, and she was familiar familiar with the seasons and growth and yep. death and decay, at the same time there was a longing not to go. And there were all the things that kept her here. Yeah, I think I think there's a a healthy tension between um, wanting to live longer to experience more things and be part of your family's life more and your own life and knowing that there is an end because we are human and that's what humanity means it's a beginning and an end um, and in between is what's the most important part I guess she still felt she had bits to add to the important part so she didn't want to die because she still enjoyed her life before being uh, limited with her her strokes and she was still hankering after that but her intelligence told her actually I think I'm closer to the end than I realise and, and that's when I say she's pragmatic that was part of her rationalisation rationalising and I guess by the permission part just cemented that whole um, rationalisation that this was the end um, and it was okay well, Jan, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and describing how giving your mum permission to die was actually a gift because you reassured her that you and your sister and your family would be okay without her and it was her time to go and she was free to leave. So thank you so much. That's all right. You're welcome. Thank you, Shirley. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Cafe Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Cafe Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.